Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an, uh, another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast playoff preview for Tampa Bay's second round series against the Carolina Hurricanes after dispatching of the Florida Panthers in six games. I am Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com alongside Greg Linelli from Lightning Power Play and Lightning Radio. Catch him weekdays, Monday through Friday from noon to 1 p.m. with Dave Mishkin on Power Lunch, as well as pregame, postgame, and intermission hosts of all Lightning Radio broadcasts. And Greg, it was a fun series against Florida. Pretty wide open at times, probably more wide open than most coaches would like to see at this time of the year. We saw Tampa Bay clamp it down specifically in game six. But I'll tell you what, as intense as some of those games were against Florida, as fast-paced as some of those games were against Florida, I expect it to be even higher in this series against Carolina. Yeah, you know, Florida is a... um... That's a good team, and this will be a – it was a good tune-up, I think, to to get into the Carolina game for Tampa Bay because I think there are similarities that you can draw from when you compare the two. I actually think Florida, when you take a look at their high-end talent, might be a bit more skilled than Carolina, Carolina at least up front. I think Carolina collectively is just a deeper team than Florida and they like to forecheck they like to use their speed it's interesting there's probably questions maybe about their goaltending kind of like Florida a little bit heading into the series with Tampa Bay you know assuming Nadelkovich is that guy which we would assume he is but you know I thought it was a good tune-up for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning and I think a lot of people felt like these were the two best teams in that division Carolina, I've said this for a while. I think they're the team that makes me the most uncomfortable just because of the way they play and the style that they play. But it should be a good series. Um, we'll get into who we like and why we like them probably a little later on in this podcast and as the series progresses. But this is this is uh, not a surprise to see these two teams meet. Let's put it that way. It is not. And Carolina, I agree with that assessment. I think Florida had higher-end skill uh, with Huberto and Barkoff in particular. Uh, and that's not to say that Sebastian Ajo was not a high-end skill player because he is. He's fantastic, probably one of the more underrated centers in the league. There's a reason Montreal tried to sign him to an offer sheet a couple of years ago, and, and you're really seeing him at both ends of the ice. I mean, power play, penalty kill. He's a terrific penalty killer. you got to be weary of him. Um, when you're out there on the power play because he can turn a game around shorthanded. Um, but other than that, F- Carolina basically has, let's let's count um, Aho and Andre Sveshnikov as the two high-end skill guys. The other 12 forwards, the other 10 forwards that F- Carolina can throw at you, they're like identical. They just come at you in waves. That's their identity. That's who they are. As a team, that's why they can be so hard to play against because it doesn't matter what line is out there. You're going to get the relentless forecheck, the relentless puck pursuit that Rod Brindamore has them playing. It can be a hard system to play. Pittsburgh wrote it to a Stanley Cup championship in 2016. So if you do it right and if you can maintain the energy to be able to do it, it can lead to glory. Um, and that's what Carolina can bring to you. They're also much deeper there. This decor is much different than Florida's. Dougie Hamilton is a terrific puck mover, especially on the power play. Jacob Slavin is probably the most underrated defenseman in the league. There's probably not many people that talk about him, but he's never in a wrong spot. He never hardly ever makes a mistake. Uh, Look at the difference he made in the series against Nashville, the uh, two games that he missed 
is the two games that Nashville won. He came back for games five and six and had huge impacts on, uh, I believe, both overtime goals or at least tying goals. I'm not 100% sure. I know he had the shot uh, on the overtime series clincher in game six. Um, He set up the tying goal in game six that Dougie Hamilton cut down. So that pairing of Hamilton and Slavin are, uh, you know, among one of the best pairings in the league. And I would have agreed with you on the goaltending that Carolina might've had some question marks similar to what Florida had going into the playoffs, because just like Florida, if you have three goalies, maybe you don't have one, but Nadelkovich I think has answered those through the first six games of the playoffs. Uh, He was kind of a surprise starter. I think a lot of people were surprised when Rod Rindemore went to him for game one. Um, He certainly had the numbers in the regular season, um, but we all thought Mrazek because of what he did. He had really good numbers in the regular season. He's more of a veteran. He's been through it before that maybe he would get the nod and Nadelkovic would be kind of guy they, if they have to go to him, you go to him, but he went with with Nadelkovic. He played very well in that series. So I think that question mark is probably answered, you know, unless, Tampa Bay finds the way to put a five or a six spot on him, but I, I, I don't see that happening. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a very intense, up-tempo, uh, fast-paced series that I think can be very, very entertaining, probably more so than what we just saw between, you know, the Panthers and the Lightning. Yeah, it's interesting because when you talk to people in Carolina, they they talked about Nadelkovich as if he was somebody that they just – they weren't sure what they had. And maybe the, the Hurricanes – made a decision on him that basically he was the equivalent of a 4A pitcher in baseball. He was a guy that accomplished a lot in the AHL and was really good there, but it seemed like they were hesitant to go to them. So I think that's why there are a lot of people who looked at this and said, look, Carolina, this has been a franchise that has struggled to find goaltending and they've got a guy in their minor league system who's won a lot of games, but they've refused to go to him over the last couple of years. I mean, Mrazek's been pretty good. We know about you know going after Scott Darling and that experiment, and you know they've tried some other stop gaps. But in some ways, it's a really good story. I, I give Nadelkovich credit because it looks like he's getting this opportunity and he's running with it. And he, in any walk of life, sometimes you can't control how many opportunities you are going to get, and it might only be one or two. But when you do get those opportunities, you have to put your best foot forward, and let people understand that you are the person for that job. And I think he's doing that. I I still think it's a huge advantage in net for Tampa Bay, just like I thought it was a huge advantage in the first round. For sure. I didn't think Quenville was going to go to their third string goaltender in the first series, which probably speaks to the, the lack of confidence. Maybe they really did have internally with Bobrovsky and Drieger. I don't know if that's going to be the case in this series. If the Lightning can get to Nadelkovic, what they do, what type of leash he has, how long or how short it is. But you can't hide the fact that when you take a look at both of these teams, Tampa Bay does have a big advantage in that. And we'll see how it plays out. Sometimes it may not play out that way. But it's pretty simple. But I think it's pretty obvious as well. Yeah, Nadelkovic led their minor league team to a Calder Cup championship with Charlotte just a couple of years ago. He was really good. Yeah, and he was fantastic. And, you know, you you hear from some of the guys who are on that Charlotte team and what he meant uh, to them. Uh, You know, I I think the uh, and and you love this phrase, if if any goaltender, Ned's just Ned. And and I think that was the description I, uh, I had seen somebody, you know, one of his teammates from that checkers team talking about him. And I think that's perfect because he's just, you want a steady presence in that, right? Like you just want somebody who's calm on the, you know, calm up top, even though the, as chief likes to say, the proverbial duck feet, you know, really paddling through the bottom, you know, as long as you're calm, calm on the surface. And I think that's the one thing you hear a lot about the is how he's able uh, to do that. And look, this guy was on waivers earlier this year. And, and that wasn't necessarily because they didn't really trust him. It was just they had Reimer and they had Morazic, and those were those two, the two guys. And let's face it, if Morazic didn't get hurt, we're probably not even talking about Nadelkovic here because they brought him up, and he him, him and Reimer were splitting time, and he came in and really continued to just impress, impress, impress. He shut the lighting out earlier in the year, that one nothing overtime game up in Raleigh back in, I think, middle of January. Uh, that rescheduled game that they sent uh, Tampa Bay up there at sort of the last minute. Um, you know, so they, they have answers in that, but there's no doubt that anytime you have 88 on your side, 
you have an advantage in net. And I think Tampa Bay has a big advantage in net in this series. And if he's focused, if he is as focused as he was, uh, especially in game six against Florida, as the whole team was, but you know, it, it starts with 88. It always starts with 88. If he's focused in net, I, I, I like Tampa Bay's chances coming out of this series. Yeah. And you know, it's sometimes the simple analysis is the right one. And I, I do think that is really the elephant in the room in this, in this playoff series. Delgovich could get hot and he could, he could perform the upset. That may happen. I, I don't know. But you always have to come back and ask yourself the question. Do you think the team Tampa Bay is playing in a playoff series can beat Andre Vasilevsky four times? It's hard to do. We saw it a couple of years ago with Bobrovsky in Columbus for sure. So it certainly can't happen. I just the odds of it happening, especially with this team, I don't think are great for Carolina. And as I've told you before, that being said, I, I think Carolina is a fantastic team and they have a legitimate chance to win a Stanley Cup the way their team is structured. But I think it is uh, something that we're going to watch in this series, especially early on. How does Nadalkovic handle the Lightning's star players? You know, it's one thing to go against, you know, Ryan Johansson. It's one thing to go against Roman Yossi from the back end, who's really, really good. But then you're going to have guys like Braden Points and Nikita Kucherov, and you have Victor Hedman on the back end. And then you have Tampa Bay's depth, and it's a different kind of depth, and it's it can be in so many different ways. So huge challenge, no doubt, I think, in net for Carolina. And as always, too, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be judged how do they defend in their own zone. I actually think they have some problems there, and that could be an area where Tampa Bay does take advantage of maybe some deficiencies in that back end, just like I think Carolina is going to look at Tampa Bay the same way. I want to see how Tampa Bay attacks Dougie Hamilton in his own zone. He is a tremendous offensive talent. It's actually something I think Tampa Bay is going to have to watch for in this series. His ability to get that puck through. He's got a huge shot. Also very good on the power play. He's dynamic on the back end. He's their Victor Henman when you talk about what he can do offensively. But defensively, he has struggled at times. I would love to see the Lightning go to work on him. See what he does in his own zone. Make him turn the puck over. And I actually think Carolina has that tendency to do it, just like Tampa Bay does. I think it's it's going to depend on which team can impose their will from that standpoint that's going to have the most success. But I like Tampa Bay in that matchup trying to exploit Hamilton just a bit. Yeah, it, 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 and to me, the one big area in this series that Tampa Bay has to do is you can't you can't lose the puck possession battle the way they did at times in the series against Florida, actually for most of the series against Florida, you have to make Carolina work on their own end. You, you know, you, you just mentioned that you can attack their D um, you can get, you can get behind them. You can force turnovers. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to be more of a four checking team than you were at times against the Panthers. You can't let Carolina feel good about their game because as Nashville found out, even two goal leads are not safe. If you're going to get a lead against Carolina and you think you're going to sit back on it, forget it. They will come at you in waves, and they'll even do that in the 0-0 game. You have to get the puck possession. You have to be able to make them work in their own end. And, look, that's it's easy to say that's an easy recipe for any team, right? Uh, but Carolina, because of how relentless they are and because of how they will continue to come at you, you have to attack them in their own end. That is where you're going to have to be, Carolina. You, you can't let them come up the ice free. You're going to have to have more of the game Tampa Bay had in game six against Florida where they really slowed the Panthers down. They, they checked, um, they gave, you know, battling for every inch on the ice, you know, some of the identity that they had in the playoffs last year, you need that. And, and then some against this Carolina team, because they will come at you wave after wave after wave. If you don't make them work in their own end and they start to feel good about themselves, they start to get some confidence they can really get rolling because they come at you with all four of their lines and they're not relying just on Aho and Sveshnikov to score. They got some other guys, Vinny Trocek and, and um, you know, Tamo Teravine and guys like that, they can come at you. Uh, and then they, they do, you know, they're like Tampa Bay. They like their defense involved in the play with Hamilton at the forefront of that. Um, and you just have to kind of make them work as much as you can because uh, you give them free ice. Like you gave Florida, you could be in for a long series or a short series. Yeah, and both teams are well coached. You know, I, I think 
systematically they're going to want to stay within their structure, but they both have te- both have players that can make you uncomfortable in certain situations. It's going to put pressure on your system. So that's going to be interesting. Who stays out of the penalty box the most, I think, is going to be also something to keep an eye on. We know Tampa Bay's had a tendency to do that throughout uh, this year and the last couple of years. Rod Brindamore, I think, came out uh, early in his series in that first round against Nashville, and he seemed to complain about the officiating as well. But Carolina cannot afford to have Tampa Bay go to work on that power play. That was maybe the biggest difference in the first round for the Lightning. They had, what, eight power play goals. Kucherov, it was really a good way for him to get back into that series and, and get some confidence having not played in the regular season. He was a magician out there. So which team probably stays out of the penalty box, too, is going to give themselves a, a really good chance to win. Easier said than done, and both teams have talked about this before. I know John Cooper has stressed it as well, but that's going to be something to keep an eye on early on as well. Yeah, and, and with Carolina's penalty kill, too, you know, you talk about how aggressive they are. That doesn't change on the PK. Yeah. You know, even watching the series against Nashville, Nashville had their struggles on the power play, but what else is new for the Predators? They've struggled on the power play for the past couple of years. Uh, but they pursue the puck. They don't, again, they don't like to give up free ice, even against the power play, uh, you know, like, like Tampa Bay's. And we saw this during the regular season. They'll come at you. They'll chase you in the corner with the puck. Even if it's a one-on-one situation, they will, they will force you into situations where you have to make quick decisions. Uh, and that's where it's going to be imperative on Tampa Bay to move the puck quickly uh, and, and move it into good areas. You know, it, it, they can be, they can get somewhat predictable at times on the power play, uh, especially that number one unit with Victor Hedman up high and Steven stamp goes to his left, Nikita Kucherov to the right, but uh, you're, you're going to have to make the penalty killers move. Um, if, if you let them chase you with the puck, you're not going to have the space that you're going to need to make plays happen. Now, Nikita Kucherov is a great equalizer. He is, as we mentioned it, he is a maestro with the puck on a stick. He can make a difference. Um, you know, he, he can force penalty killers and penalty kill units to do things they wouldn't normally do. Uh, but that's going to be something to keep an eye on is, is how aggressive Carolina is on the PK against this power play. And again, Carol, I, I don't think I've seen a team and, and granted we were limited this year because of all the interdivision play and eight teams against every team uh, during the regular season. But I don't think I've seen anybody move the puck as well on the power play as Carolina does. You want to talk about a team that makes quick movements, quick decisions with the puck. They do it and they love to um, try and go from the half wall back to the high point. Uh, they do that quite a bit. Um, and then they try and make things work from there. Uh, so if you're Tampa Bay again, and, and look, this is where the uh, re-addition of Barclay Goodrow comes into account here too, right? Because him and Blake Coleman are usually the first guys over the ice, uh, assuming that Bla- uh, Goodrow has his um, conditioning back. Remember, he missed two weeks. He only came back for one game. Now he's been off for a few days before game one gets underway on Sunday. Um, but him and Coleman are the first two guys over, and they'll be asked to kill these penalties off uh, first and foremost. Uh, but that's where it makes a difference because now you get one of your top PK forwards back, um, and can you counteract and neutralize that Carolina power play? But it all comes down to discipline. You, you know, you mentioned it. Rod Rindmore kind of had his comments about the officiating. We know John Cooper had some of his comments for the officiating. Uh, it will be interesting to see how the officials do handle this. Um, you know, and, and here's the other thing, too. Like, I, I've seen this a lot. Like, you would think Carolina draws a lot of penalties, right? You would think that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, because uh, I, I would have thought this, too. And I looked it up. They've actually, and during the regular season, they only drew the 20th most penalties in the league. Um, they don't have that reputation, but they, they don't draw a lot of penalties. So Tampa Bay is going to have to be a lot more disciplined in this series than they were against Florida. Remember a couple of those penalties were momentum killers. You know, you go back to game three when Andre Palat took that penalty to start the third period and kind of fueled that, that opportunity for the Panthers to come back, have to be a lot more disciplined, uh, especially if you're already on notice because your, uh, your head coach has already put the officials on notice. Yeah, that's a good point. And we talk about special teams being such a difference and really it's a wild card in the playoffs too, because you don't know game to game what you're going to get when it comes to the officiating boy. We know that from watching that first series against the Florida Panthers, but that in many ways, I I don't know. You mentioned how good Carolina moves the puck. 
as a team on the power play. And I think that is true. I also think there's not a better player that is basically the, the quarterback on a power play than Nikita Kucherov. And boy, did that power play for Tampa Bay look drastically different when he was in compared to when he wasn't and how easier things or how easy things really played out for the lightning at times. And then when Florida really tried to pressure Kucherov in game six, you saw Victor Hedman get the puck over to Steven Stamkos for a one time, or you saw Braden point get some better looks as well. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I thought to, to this point in the first round, Vasilevsky faced a lot of high dangerous chances too from the Panthers. And I know it may be a save percentage wasn't in line with what he did in the regular season, but I thought that also was the difference. And it's going to be the difference in this series too, which goaltender E is going to be able to have a better save percentage with those high danger scoring opportunities uh, because both teams, I think are going to get some really good looks in this series. Can the goaltender who limits those opportunities be the one that gives his team the best chance to win. I believe that. And I think that's maybe the biggest reason why Tampa Bay came away with their win uh, against the Florida Panthers, because as we know, the Panthers had a lot of possession time and they did have some really good looks and Vassy. Sometimes again, the numbers didn't play it out when he needed the save at the right time. It seemed like he got it. And that's what you expect out of him because that's what he's done in the past. He's performed that way in the past. One of the things I look for with Carolina is they are a high shot volume team. They finished, I think third in the league in shot attempts this year. So they, they love to, they love to funnel pucks. They love to send pucks towards the net. So they like to play that style of game. It's a question though, for me, if you're Tampa Bay, where are you going to allow those shots from? So you mentioned all the high danger chances that Florida had, and they had, you know, probably more than John Cooper would like to see uh, allowed and let up by his team. Um, but Carolina, they can create high danger chances, but they also just love to just funnel pucks at net. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. If there's a shot disparity, let's keep an eye on where the shots are coming from. Is Tampa Bay staying structured? And are they keeping those shots to the outside? Because if they are, you're okay with that. You're fine. You know, as long as you can keep the middle of the ice clear, and as long as you can keep rebound opportunities away from Andre Vasilevsky, let him see the first shot and take care of it, uh, then you're okay if you're going to give up puck possession, at least in the numbers-wise, that way. Um, you know, So it, it is something that they've talked about before. I, I remember asking John Cooper this question more than a couple times against the Hurricanes this year, and that's exactly what he said. He said, as long as we keep them you know, out of those high-danger areas, keep them to the perimeter as much as you can, then we're comfortable and we're okay if we're giving up a high shot volume. Um, so that's one thing to keep an eye on here too, as this series progresses is what kind of chances are Tampa Bay going to give up? Cause look at both teams are going to get their chances. It's, it's playoff hockey. It's two really good teams. It's a question of how much can you limit them and not continue to give free looks and free passes? Because I think Florida probably got too many of those, uh, in that series. And if you're going to do that again, you're just flirting with danger. You are. And, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is home ice advantage. It's going to be fun to watch that um, just in general because both teams increasing their attendance. And it'll be great to see uh, in Carolina. It's going to be great to see in Amelie Arena what, what those buildings are going to look like e, with uh, more people watching Tampa Bay and Carolina try and do their thing, too. So that'll be another little storyline to watch. Yeah, 15,000 at PNC. We're going to have, what, about 13,000 at yeah. Amelie Arena. Uh, we're seeing pretty close to full capacity in Boston. Vegas has already announced that they're opening up to full capacity. We saw fans in Montreal on Saturday night, only 2,500 of them. But, boy, did that sound really good. First time all year that fans in Montreal – it makes a difference, man. It really makes a difference. You know, the, the players, and I know Tyler Johnson talked about it a little bit when he was asked, and he said, you know, when, when we're in the, the locker room, we don't notice it as much, but you, there's no way you can't tell me players don't feed off the energy. They don't feel that energy. They don't maybe skate a little bit faster. Even saw somebody mentioning watching the Montreal-Toronto game on Saturday night that just having fans in the building, you can just see a little bit more jump in the Montreal team to start the game. 
Um, it, it's, it adds the atmosphere. We've talked about it certainly plenty over the last 16, 17 months as we've watched and witnessed so many games with no fans in the stands. To be back on the path towards normalcy, it just feels good, and I think it has to feel good for the players too. Yeah, and let's face it, sporting events, they're meant to be played in front of live audiences. I mean, thats it's not normal <laughs> to play a game with nobody there watching you. So, I mean, heck, even Montreal is opening up, right? We just, you know, a couple thousand yeah, 2,500 there, you know, in, in their game seven. So it's it's something that, that I, I'm glad teams are starting to allow more people to go to these games because I think we're at the point right now where we've got a, uh, we've talked about this before, a really good understanding of the virus. And, you know, I think most people that want to be vaccinated are, and I, I think, you know, there's, there's, let's put it this way. There's no reason, at least here in the States, not to have half capacity. Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, we are certainly getting there. One, one thing to keep an eye on too in the coming days, uh, there's still this issue with Canadian teams in the border. We know that there's one team coming out of the North. It's either going to be Winnipeg or as we're recording this Toronto or Montreal. Uh, where, where do they go? If the border's not open, the league has asked for a June 1st deadline to have an answer. Uh, so we still don't have any indication of where that team coming out of the North, no matter who it is, are they going to be able to play in their home buildings? Are they going to have to move somewhere in the States to call home during these semifinals? And if they make it the Stanley cup final, uh, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on that. And then this is another thing. I was doing the math on this, the winner of this series between Carolina and Tampa Bay, no matter who it is. And I'll preface it by just saying that are guaranteed not to have to play Colorado or Vegas in round two or round three when we get to the semifinals. Because remember, it's not, there's no conference based situations this year. The four teams that make it out of their divisions are reseeded by regular season points once you get to the semifinals. And with the way things are currently set up, Tampa Bay and or Carolina or Tampa Bay or Carolina will not face Colorado or Vegas. And they are now guaranteed to face either. Toronto, if they make it all the way through, or the winner of the Islanders Bruins series. How about that? That's a good nugget. That is definitely something to keep an eye on because I think you like the Lightning's chances a lot better getting to <laughs> where they need to get to. Not not to take anything away from those teams, but let's let's face it. I mean, you know, Colorado, Vegas, really good. There's there's no doubt those teams are just as dynamic as Tampa Bay and even to a lesser extent Carolina. So. I like it. Something to keep an eye on for sure. Yep. Okay. Uh, Yeah, this should be a fun series. Um, So let's, let's give, and this is one of our questions, but uh, we were going to hit it anyway, as we kind of sit back and look at things, a player that maybe you don't think about too much that can make a difference in this series. And I'll let you go first. (laughs) I like that. Like that setup. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot because this player that I'm going to mention, and, and sometimes this always doesn't play out. This player I'm going to mention has had really good success against Carolina in his career. He's had a few hat tricks, uh, speaking of Tyler Johnson. And he's probably coming off his best game in a while, game six against the Florida Panthers. And he was noticeable. He was really using his speed, especially early on. And he's been a lightning rod for criticism. Some of it, I think warranted, you know, I don't think he's had the year we anticipated. I understand all the off the ice stuff in terms of being on waivers and the lighting, possibly looking to move him that that can certainly weigh on an athlete. We, we don't know how that affects guys. I mean, we consider and say you're a professional, you have to move on from it, but they're human beings. They they're creatures of habit too. And I think probably for the first time in a while, Tyler Johnson was in a position where one, maybe he wasn't as wanted uh, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning as, as previous years would indicate. And two, the business of the NHL might be catching up to Tyler Johnson. And those are hard things to, I think, accept when you've been a player who's been a top six forward for the majority of your career 
for the Lightning. That That's a hard pill to swallow. And I think it's too easy for us to sit here and say, get over it. I think we have to understand that it's it's not that easy. That being said, he didn't have a great year. He didn't. But game six was a lot better than anything we saw really in the regular season. And he does have a lot of success against Carolina. Now, look, I understand he's playing on a different line. It's not going to be the same teammates where he put up those numbers in previous years. I get that. But man, if there's one team that could get Tyler Johnson going a bit, it might be Carolina. I think there is something to statistics that indicate, look, you play well against certain teams. I believe those numbers. I mean, I I think they happen for a reason. And so I think Tyler Johnson might be able to give this team a little bit of a boost, especially on the fourth line, and be that secondary scoring that they need. And I'm looking for him to have somewhat of an impactful series for the Lightning. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. You might be able to help me out on this a little bit. Um, the movie Office Space. You've seen it, right? I have, yes. Okay, I don't know the characters' names, but the one they kept filtering to different parts of the office and he eventually ends up in like the utility closet. <laughs> That's kind of Tyler Johnson, <laughs> right? Like you're part like of the team. You know, we think you're an integral part of the team. And eventually we're going to ask you to leave the team. So this is how we're going to do it. Um, but I like your pick because I think game six was his best game. I mean, his hustle to beat out Anton Strawman for the icing and negate that to set up the Pat Maroon goal uh, is a nice play by Tyler Johnson. Um, look, it has to be a hard pill to swallow. You know, you've been a 20-minute-a-night guy almost your entire career. When you first came in the league, you you were Braden Point. You were asked to take on the Sidney Crosby matchups on the ice. And then you had that responsibility given to someone else so that it could free you up offensively. You know, you were the guy that made the all-star game uh, in 2015, I think, uh, when he scored, I think, 29 goals or, you know, the season that he had. Um, and, and then it's just, then you're just kind of pushed off to the side a little bit uh, in a lot of ways. And look, it, it, as a human being, it weighs on your mind. And imagine, you know, being that guy in office space who you're just keep being pushed away and you just want to work. You just want to do your job, but you're, you're be given, be given less and less of a role. Uh, it's not easy to deal with. Right. So, so I think that's a, a, my analogy on, on Tyler Johnson there. Um, my player uh, to, to kind of pick that might not jump out at you. Um, Blake Coleman. Um, you saw some jump in his game. I think the shorthanded goal that he scored in game one was an indication of what he's capable of doing. I think with Barclay Goodrow back, I think that kind of rounds out that line and puts Coleman into a situation to where he can be, you know, that type of player that he know he, he's capable of being uh, in terms of offense. We saw the offense come in the latter half, uh, latter stages of this season. Um, and, I, and I think that he has the opportunity here with that line. We know how effective they can be with Gordon and Goudreau and him. Uh, I think this is a series that sets up for Blake Coleman to have a big impact. Yeah, and he's a guy that can do it for sure. You know, I thought he was real chippy in in that first series against the Panthers, and he's got that snarl to him, and he also has that offensive capability that (sighs) makes you understand why the Lightning gave up what they gave up to get him. And I think having Goodrow back now, if if those guys can stay healthy, you're really going to see that third line, I think, have an impact because I think Goodrow complements Gordon Coleman very well can open up some things with his forechecking too. So I, that, that's a good pick. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Cole, Coleman had himself a series against the hurricane. So um, two guys with speed, I think we picked that, that have the capabilities, two guys who have been 20 goal scorers in this league. And I don't think it's a surprise. We're looking at, you know, some depth guys that are going to be able to hopefully come through. Yep, that's what you want because you can't just rely on a couple of guys. You know, as great of a series as Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov in particular had, you know, you needed the four goals from Alex Kalorn. You needed, you know, the couple of goals from Steven Stamkos. You had two goals from Yanni Gord. Uh, You know, you got that big goal in a clinching game from Pat Maroon. So uh, you you can't just rely on, 
you know, one or two guys to score, you have to have depth. And uh, those are two guys that I would like to see, you know, have good series. And uh, you're right. I, he's had his most success against Carolina. Tyler Johnson has than any other player. All right, let's get to some of these questions before we sign off. And, uh, you know, as we're recording this too, Greg, this is, this is so NHL. We don't have a schedule beyond game one. Why would we? Crazy to sit here and think as we're recording this on a Saturday night, the series starts on Sunday and we don't yet have a schedule. So all we know is game one is Sunday at five o'clock. All right, this one comes in from Stephanie. Uh, what's the one key area of the light we need to focus on to assure them a victory in the series? Uh, I think we touched on them, but my my one area is don't give up puck possession as easily as you did in the first series. Don't let Carolina be a team that continued to attack you in waves because you can't withstand it. They are so relentless. You can't hold them off. Nashville found that out the hard way and it cost them the opportunity to win a series because they had a chance to win that series, especially after the couple of double overtime victories there. And they just let Carolina come at them at state in, in, in certain points of the game that they, you know, you can't, just defend against the hurricanes. You have to make them work and you have to make them work in their own end. Otherwise it's going to burn you. Yeah. I, th- I, you know, along those same lines, I think, you know, what are those battles like in the neutral zone? You mentioned the waves of players coming on the four check from Carolina. That's going to be key. How I think Tampa Bay handles that in the defensive zone. I, I think how they handle some of these things in the neutral zone as well. Turnovers, you know, does it, does it aid Carolina's four check? Does Tampa Bay, feed off some turnovers in the neutral zone from the Hurricanes. I think those are some things, when you have two good teams who are pretty structured, those are some things you're going to want to watch for. And if whoever I think controls that part of the ice is going to have a better chance of having possession time, and then from there you're just hoping the the abilities of, of the offensive players take over. From Kyle, uh, do you expect to see a much less physical series between these two teams? Who are you looking for in the Bolts to break out this series? For me, I think it's Anthony Sorelli, who he thinks is going to have a monster series. Thanks, guys. No, thank you, Kyle. Um, I think this will be a little less physical. It, it That, that first-round series always tends to have that, especially at the beginning when we saw that in Game 1 against the Panthers, where you know there were bodies being thrown around left and right. You know, you get to round two, not that it's less physical, but it's less reckless physical, I guess, is the way to kind of put it, because you still want to make sure that you're taking the body. You still want to make sure that you're finishing your checks and all that stuff that you can do to maybe try and wear down the other team. But I don't think it's going to get to the point where you're worried about players getting suspended. You know, there's there's no um, Ryan Lomberg on this team. Michael Lorenz comes close, but he's not quite. Um, Ryan Lomberg and in, in how he uh, approaches the game. Um, so I, I do expect it to be a little less physical in terms of how nasty physical the last series was, but you still want the heavy and hard hits to come because that's how you, um, that's how you can separate the man from the puck. That's how you can, you know, if you can continue to hit a guy along the boards, maybe by the third period, he doesn't want to take that hit anymore. Right. And he just wants to just get away from you. And that leaves you an opportunity to collect a puck. So, the, the, the physicality as we know it will be there. I just don't think it's going to be as reckless physical. Yeah, look, it, it could get out of control. I mean, who knows? These teams, don't forget, face each other in the regular season as many times as they did. And I think, I'll say this, I think right from the start, there shouldn't be a, a game one filling out process. No, I think no. this is going to be right from the get-go, both teams going at each other, because I think there is that familiarity between both both teams. So, um it wouldn't surprise me if this thing got nasty. I agree with you. I, I, I don't think we're going to see the level we saw with the Florida Panthers, but you know, it could get ugly. You never know. You just never know in playoff hockey. Here's the one difference. Uh, Florida and Tampa Bay faced each other eight consecutive times, <laughs> right? Cause they had True. those two yeah. at the end of the regular season that kind of set the tone. I mean, that 55th game of the year was just brutal and out of control troll in terms of what took place with all the quote unquote message sending and everything that went on there. Um, you know, and look, these, the Carolina Tampa Bay actually had a little mini playoff series earlier in the year when they met each other four consecutive games, you know, two, two in Carolina, two at Amelie arena. Um, and the, you know, you started to tend to see a little bit of the quote unquote hatred as those four games went on. 
Um, but I, I, again, I, I don't expect it to go overboard. I expect it to be within, within the lines uh, that we typically see um, during most playoff series uh, from Connor. Um, Connor apparently agrees with you, Greg. I don't know if you read Connor's tweet or not, but um, Tyler Johnson had a really great game six with him getting an assist and four checking. Well, people like to hate on him because of his lack of production in recent seasons. When studying his game plan, it looks like he's too predictable with the puck thoughts on that. Um, well, uh, again, he's out of position a little bit. He is a natural center. Um, I'm not sure if he's ever admitted this publicly, but you can tell he's more comfortable at center. He's been asked to play wing because of the depth that this team has up the middle, uh, for quite a bit of the last couple of seasons. I think that's affected the way that he does play. Uh, and you know, because he's on the wing, maybe that does put him into a predictable circumstance, but really in a lot of ways, you know, Braden Point can be predictable. We see Braden Point a lot of times gain the zone, and as soon as he gets close to the hash marks, he'll pull up and circle back. It's part of the Lightning's game plan. Um, the difference is, is Braden Point's on the ice for 20 minutes a night, and Tyler Johnson's on the ice nowadays for 10 to 11 minutes a night, so there's less opportunities for Tyler uh, to do a little bit more. I don't think he's gotten predictable. Uh, I think it's part of the Lightning's game plan that can be that way at times, and it's just reads that uh, players have to do. Uh, I just think you just need Tyler Johnson to have step in his game, and I think we saw that in game six, and hopefully that's a sign of what's to come for this series. He had his legs. You know, when he's flying up and down the ice, that's a big deal. And look, I think we also got our answer when everybody's healthy, which player was going to sit. It wasn't going to be Tyler Johnson. Yep. We found out it's going to be Matthew Joseph. Yep, yep, because uh, this is the first time all year that uh, the Lightning have a healthy, healthy group of uh, a healthy team, at least as healthy as you can be. Haven't had it all year. So when Goodrow came back on game six, I think we found out uh, that they like Ross Colton yeah. in the lineup more than Matthew Joseph. Um, from Rays of Our Lives, who also goes by Drunk Kalorn, um, <laughs> with a picture of uh, Alex Kalorn on the jet ski. Uh, from the boat parade back in October. Actually, it was September, right? September 30th was that. Um, how can the Lightning stay out of penalty trouble in this series? Kane's always out there trying to draw calls. This is the question that I alluded to earlier. It seems like Carolina's trying to draw calls, but they've actually, in the at the bottom end of the middle third, uh, in terms of drawing penalties this year. To me, with the Lightning, you, what you have to avoid are the stick fouls, the hookings. The trippings, those kind of those are the ones that just for whatever reason, they tend to be the kind that hurt you. You know, it, it just like we saw with the penalty that Sam Bennett took in game six when it was a one nothing game that led to Steven Stamkos's goal. Those seem to be the type of penalties, the, the ones that are within your control for the most part that tend to burn you. Right. I even looked at Jay Retcher and I said, this is the kind of penalty you have to make the other team pay for and usually that's what ends up being the case so those are the fouls you have to avoid there are certain ones you know like if you're taking a roughing call and a guy's coming in on a breakaway you're okay with that if that takes away you know a, a scoring opportunity there are good penalties to take what you have to avoid are the bad penalties i would agree with that and i think you know one thing to keep an eye on when you start talking about penalties are the turnovers you know if, if Tampa Bay scrambling if Tampa Bay is turning the puck over and they're spending more time in their own zone watch for penalties watch for them you know with hooking and and roughing and uh, the ones in the offensive zone you 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 really want to take note of you want to stay away from those and I felt like the lightning had some players that just committed really dumb penalties that typically they don't but I think when the Lightning are on their game, you know, they're not they're not getting those penalties in the, the defensive zone because they're not turning the puck over. And I think that's going to be something to watch for because I think both teams want to pressure as much as possible in their own zones. Yep, that's going to be the key. Who can do it more, more often and, and get chances out of it. Um, from Champa Bay... Uh, how different will this round be in terms of physicality than it was against the Panthers? We just kind of covered that one. Uh, any players on the Hurricanes that you think will be more interested in starting scrums and trying to get into our ads? Well, I, I mentioned Michael Lorenz. Uh, he kind of has that element 
to his game a little bit, not to the level that Ryan Lomberg was trying to do, but he has that capability. If, if Rod, Rod Brindamore asks him to play that role, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, the other guy, and I don't think he's going to start to, he's going to start the series because I think he's injured is Cedric Paquette. Said <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he has that ability, right? Like a, he, not so much in the latter stages of his career, but early on in his career, he used to just, piss people off left and right. And and I even told him one time, I said, said, you know how I know you're playing better because guys want to rip your head off. And so he can, he can play that style of game and it would probably get into potentially get to Tampa Bay a little more because he's a former teammate. That'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on if he's healthy enough to get into the series. You know, a guy to keep an eye on too, uh, Jordan Martin hook, I feel like he's been kind of nasty when we've seen him play this year. And I think he is somebody that can go over the line. I think he's willing to drop the gloves. Do I want to say he fought Goodrow? He might've fought Goodrow. Those two might've dropped the gloves before, but I I feel like he's been impactful a little bit physically, but somebody that sticks out as someone who would be willing to be a little extra physical. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I see Martin had 25 penalty minutes. So, you know, there's a fight or two somewhere in that math uh, with him. Um, Jake, not from State Farm. What's the latest on John Cooper's contract negotiations, assuming that they've started? Is it a foregone conclusion that he's coming back after next year? Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't looked into that. Um, Coaching information is hard to get. Uh, I want to say he signed that extension, what, 19, like March of 19, so I think he, I think he signed a three-year deal, if memory serves me correct. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jake. I have not looked into this. Um, you know, with everything that's gone on, I kind of, kind of slipped my mind a little bit. So I'll see if I can do some digging on that down the road. Uh, but right now, I don't have an answer for you, Jake. Um, from Postchecks Fist, I love the name. Uh, give us one non-star player on each team that could be an X factor. We did actually handle that one already. Uh, Prezemek wants to talk about the expansion draft. He's really, really pushing this expansion draft here. So we'll, we'll oblige him here, Greg. Um, he says he'd protect Kucherov, Stamkos, Palat, Point, Sorelli, Gord, Kalorn, Hedman, Sergachev, and Chernak. And of course, Vasilevsky. Uh, and leave players like Tyler Johnson, Ryan McDonough. Uh, don't have to worry about the UFAs, Coleman, Goodrow, and Savard because they are UFAs um, to replace Foot, Colton, Joseph Stevens, Alex Barley, Berlay. I think that is the best for this team moving forward. Julian Breezebois still could ask for a trade where Seattle doesn't pick Foot or Colton. Uh, we have discussed that part of it before, Greg, and I'm with I you here. Not. Yeah, I would not. No side deals. No, no. They, they, let me ask you this. They have to protect Colton? Yes. He is somebody they can't. He's not so, even in his entry-level deal anymore. So I would protect Colton. I, I may do that. I, I, I have to go back and look at my list, but I, the, the guy he mentioned there that I, I probably wouldn't because you're going to have to lose somebody. I mean, is Pilat a slam dunk for you? No. I don't, I, he's important. He, for sure. But, I mean, look, these are just these are – just tough decisions you're going to have to make. And, you know, you're going to have to lose a good player. They might not lose plot. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's somebody I would protect. I wouldn't protect McDonough. Yeah. And there are parameters on D you have to expose certain players that have played a certain amount of games on defense um, to the draft. Um, it's, that's not going to be Chernak. That's not going to be Sergeyev and that's not going to be Victor Hedman. So, uh, look, I, I don't think I don't think Seattle would 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 toy with with Ryan McDonough. I know they have to meet a, a median of the cap situation, so they have to roster that that hits at least the median in terms of the salary cap. Uh, and certainly, a player of his contract would help you do that. But I don't know if I'm looking for a Ryan McDonough. If I'm, you know, Ron Francis, who by the way was in Amley Arena last week for a couple of the the you know games three and four of the series, Ron Francis was in town. Um, but I, I, if I, if I'm him, I'm not looking at Ryan McDonald. I'm looking at one of the lightning's younger players, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Palat's been good. 
for sure. Yanni Gord's been good for sure. But I'm looking at some of the young talent. Knowing how this team has developed players through the years, even guys like Kachuk and uh, Taylor Radish have to be exposed, right? Not that I'm saying Seattle would take that, but they have a plethora of young forwards. If I'm Tampa Bay and I know you have to lose a player, the expansion draft, no matter what, I have a plethora of young forwards. If I have to expose more forwards than I would like to, I'm fine with that because that means that I still have plenty left and I'm protecting the D because we know on defense is not their depth. They don't have a ton of depth at the NHL level or in the organization on the back end like they do up front. So I'm more worried about protecting my defense than I am protecting my forwards. So if that means I go eight forwards and protect four defensemen, including maybe put Cal foot in that um, because I don't want to lose a young right-handed shot defenseman. I'm not ready to give up on him. Certainly we saw plenty of signs from him this year. Uh, that's the guy I would be more worried about protecting, to be honest with you, because if you look at anybody's mock expansion drafts and I, I'm not a fan of mock drafts, but the ones that I have read, they've all said, I'm taking Cal foot. I'm taking Cal foot. I'm taking Cal foot. I, I would be, I would be worried about losing Cal foot more than I would be worried about losing any of the forwards that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, you're four defensemen then, right? You, you said Hedman, Chernak, Sergachev, and Foot. Yeah, again, there's there's two ways that you can protect. Yeah. You're either protecting seven skaters, three defensemen, and a goalie, or eight skaters and a goalie. Yeah, I, I would agree because I think de- the, the defensemen, that's where there's a little more lack of depth. And I, I think to protect yourself, that would be a way to do that. And, you know, look... The one that's tricky is Alex Barboulet because he showed pretty well early on, but I thought he faded pretty poorly at the end. Colton outplayed him big time. Yeah, and I think that might be one of those guys where the talent's intriguing enough for a team to take a flyer on him, but you also, there's a chance that fizzles. And that, that to me, that's, let's put it this way. Colton would be the guy that I would keep if it comes down to that. You would protect him. I would. Interesting. Because you have to protect Stamkos, you have to protect Kucherov, and you have to protect... Now, I have to go through my list here, but in terms of what he was asking, like, if... if So who else would you have to protect? Like, if you took Pilat off... I got to run well, through the roster. Who else? It, well, it's easy. It's easy to just think of it this way. If, if you're doing the eight, right? If you're protecting four defense, defensemen, you only have four forwards you can protect. And two of them are already spoken for in Stamkos and Kucherov. You're protecting Braden Point. You're protecting Anthony Sorelli. So then you have to make your decision. Do you want to go seven and three? Or do you want to protect those four defense? Yeah. I, I Because, because if, you're, if you're protecting Ross Colton, then you have to you have to go the seven and three route. Yeah, that's fair. Well, in that case, I, I think I answered your question at the beginning. I, I kind of agree with you then with the defenseman. I mean, I think the defensemen are more important at this point than maybe a young forward. Yeah. Like I said, you have forward depth in the organization. You know, Boris Kachuk had a great second half of the year for Syracuse. Um, Ended up, I think he ended up leading the team in scoring. Now that's a big part of that is because Barry Belay, Colton, and and even Radish spent a good couple of weeks here on the taxi squad, never got into an NHL game. But those guys are all kind of knocking on the door. Um, and there'll be opportunities for them next year. So if you lose one of those young forwards, no matter who it is, even if it's a Ross Colton and you don't want to have to lose a Ross Colton, but I don't think you're protecting a Ross Colton at the expense of a cow foot. In my what's opinion, interesting. What's interesting though, is Ross Colton made a bigger impact than cow foot. He did understanding the different positions. Yep. He definitely made a bigger impact than any of those. Cause those forwards you mentioned, the younger guys, there are questions about and there are questions about Colton moving forward, but there is no doubt that fourth line took on a different identity than when he was called up. And Cal Foot, I thought there was a chance he was going to start the playoffs with the Lightning midway through the season. That didn't happen. It's a good decision by the Tampa Bay Lightning for sure. Uh, I, I I still tend to agree with you on on protecting the defenseman more so because I think it's it's a position they don't have a ton of depth. More so than maybe what Foot did this year. And that may surprise some people. Because like I said, I think actually Colton, out of all the younger players we've seen, was the most impactful. 
probably by a wide margin, in my and, opinion. And I, and I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't argue that at all. Uh, and again, these are tough decisions that the, the, the management staff is going to have to make. At the end of the day, you're going to lose a good player. Yeah, you are. When you're as deep yeah. as Tampa Bay, you're going to lose a good player. And I think if you accept that, I, I think then that kind of makes it some of these decisions a little bit yeah, for sure. easier to swallow, not easy to make just a little bit easier to swallow. So tough decisions for sure though. Um, hey, I, I missed a couple here in the question. So let's just get to them real quick from Josh. Uh, how do you guys feel about David Savar's improvement as the Florida series went on? Um, I think he got better and better as that series went along. Uh, I think he became more like, I remember in, I think it was game three, Jonathan Huberto, the, the goal he scored off the rush coming down the left wing. Um, you saw David Savard forget that he was in Tampa Bay, still thinking he was in Columbus because he retreated to the middle of the ice. Didn't see that much as the series went on. Um, I think, look, he's never going to have a huge impact that jump, jumps out at you, right? That's not his game. That's not his style. But he had that big play to break up the two-on-one um, in game six. It was a one-nothing game. Uh, so he has made, I think, strides in getting more comfortable. I think he still has some ways to go um, to get to, you know, to, to kind of retrain your brain a little bit and how he was asked to play in Columbus compared to how he's asked to play here. Um, but he's getting there. I would agree. I thought he got better as the series went on. And look, sometimes with these trades, they work out. Sometimes they don't. And I think for Savard, the longer they go to, in the playoff series, hopefully the more comfortable he feels in this system, because I think that's probably something that didn't get talked enough about the adjustment going from Columbus and Tampa Bay in terms of what the defensemen are supposed to do. It's taken a while to figure that out, but I thought he got better as the, the series went on. Yep. I would agree. Uh, from guitar man, three fifty-two, who has the advantage in the series? Who was the better team? I thought Florida was the better team last series as Carolina seemed easier than Florida. Uh, no, Carolina is not easier than Florida. There's a reason why they won this division. Um, we, we talked about how relentless they are and, and how they just keep coming at you in waves. Um, I, Florida was a good team. I think Tampa Bay was the better team in that series, despite how some of the analytic numbers looked. I think as a whole, though, I think Tampa Bay was the better overall team in that series. I think in this situation, Greg, I think they're two very evenly matched teams. I do too. They're, they're evenly matched teams. And then you get to the goaltending. <laughs> yeah. And that's where you you're talking about elite. And I don't want to say fringe, but you can make that case before the season started. That was Nadalkovich. And so while it is, I think on paper, the forwards and the back end, you can make the case. Maybe one team has a slight edge here and maybe the other team has a slight edge there. Maybe it evens out. You can't, you, you can't shy away from that goaltending matchup. Nope, you can't. And it will, it will always favor Tampa Bay, even if it's Carey Price. Uh, last one here from Lightning FCB. What are your thoughts on Braden Point's ability to score in big moments and seemingly play even better under pressure? And how do you think the team compares to the team from last year? Braden Point is a money player. He proved that last year in the postseason. And I'm not just talking about the five overtime goal, which... Uh, finally gave us all something to uh, start writing and, and some people could go to bed at a decent time. We thought that game might still be going on at 3 a.m. when it started at 3 p.m. Um, but he has proven himself to be, and I made this in comparison, I think I said this last year, he was Marty St. Louis in the playoffs last year. He came up with big moments at big times in series. Um, and he is that, he, he just seems to elevate his game. He's one of those players. And because of the return of Nikita Kucherov, his game has gone to another level uh, so far through six games in the postseason, his opportunities have opened up. I mean, Greg, that goal that he scored in game six was so good. It was so good all the way around because you can see Eric Chernak puts the puck in a really good spot for Nikita Kucherov to get it. And then you watch Braden Point and you see the chemistry that they have. You can see the exact moment where he knew exactly what Nikita Kucherov was doing. And he put himself in the right spot. He was able to walk around Mackenzie Weger, stuff the puck on the near side. Those are the moments. Now, that wasn't a, a, a deciding goal 
but it put the game away at the time. But just to watch that thing unfold, you just you just see the hockey IQ and the understanding he has in playing with Nikita Kucherov. He's a money player. I think he's their best two-way forward, and you can make a case he's their best forward when you talk about what he does offensively and defensively. He is just he's so dynamic, and uh, he and Kucherov are just a handful. Yeah, the last part of that question, how do you think this team compares to last year's team? I think last year's team was deeper in terms of defense for sure. I mean, you had Kevin Shattenkirk back there who you could play 18 minutes a night. Um, you know, we know some of the shortcomings they have on the right side. Uh, that's why they had to go out and get David Savard. So I think last year's team was a little bit deeper. But the difference this year is this team now understands. There's a different understanding. And I think we saw that in game two of the series against the Panthers and specifically game six against the Panthers that I wanted came time to close out that series after missing out on the opportunity in game five, they understood what they had to do to make sure it was ready. Uh, they, they were ready in the right frame of mind for game six and they went out and performed exactly how they needed to. Yeah. There's something to be said for going through that experience being mentally tough. I think that team, this team is for sure. And I do think Ross Colton has given that fourth line a little bit more juice than maybe last year with Cedric Paquette, even though Paquette was very good in that fourth line role. I think Colton has more upside there. And I think we started to see it um, this year when he was in there. Yeah. More of an offensive threat for sure. You can play that down low game and, you know, what he finished with I think seven goals, seven or eight goals. Um, that's a pretty good half season. Remember he didn't come up until what his first goal was against Carolina he kind of sat out for a little bit. Him and Barry Boulay would kind of go back and forth until he kind of find or found a regular role uh, in the lineup. So he does give a different dynamic to that fourth line. So they're a little bit deeper, I think, at forward than maybe they were. But the defense, I always worry about the defense, right? It's any coach would worry about the defense. And that's where I think the lack of depth is a little bit more. So, I mean, look, last year, Ryan McDonough, you know, he missed a few of those games against the Bruins, right? And they were able to put in both Luke Shen and Braden Coburn. You know, you don't have that depth this year if that if it comes to that. And usually if you if you see players go down, it, it tends to be on the back end. So that's the one area that would concern me. Uh, Greg, as always, fun, just as a series tends yep. to be fun. No doubt. It all gets underway on Sunday at 5 p.m. I wish I had the rest of the schedule to share with everybody. I don't at this point, hopefully uh, soon as we sit here and talk on Saturday night to get ready for Sunday's game, we should have the full schedule here. Uh, I think uh, very, very shortly, if it's not out already by the time anybody listens to this, of course, where can they catch you and Dave uh, weekdays? Yeah. Noon to one, check us out there. And uh, we've had you on e as a guest and uh, we'll just get you set for the game on lightning power play. And then of course I'll have the network pregame show and then the intermission reports and then the last call afterwards. And, and what did I share with you guys uh, before we went on the air? They uh, had a game six. What was my feeling about the game? Do you remember? I don't. What was it? Oh, I set you up for it. <laughs> I set it up for it, man. No, I, no, I was very confident. I remember I had that. Dave was like, uh, I'll have to go back for game seven. I was like, no, it's not going to get there. Well, of course you were. Of course you nailed that. He, you know, you know what's there. I was stunned you asked me the question. <laughs> well, I, I remember we were talking. We were, you know, you and I, we got to the the rink early like we do, and we're sitting there BSing. And I, I think, you know, you asked me, what do you think? And I asked you, what do you think? I think we both felt pretty good. Yep. The lighting, we're going to have a, a solid performance for the reasons we talked about in, in this podcast today. They just, their experience and maybe not as deep as last year's team, but that's just the product of the salary cap. This team is, is mentally, I think pretty tough. Yep. And, and I, and I will say too, not to kind of toot my own horn, but of everybody that I was out with the night before game five, everybody's like, is this, when is, does this series end in game five? Everybody else said, yes. I said, eh, I'm not so sure. Um, unfortunately I was correct. And uh, we had to play yeah. game six, but uh, again, I, I feel confident in this team and I, and I like their chances in the series. Um, you know, against a pretty good Carolina team here going forward. But uh, we'll be back with more of this uh, as the playoffs go on. Uh, not sure exactly what the schedule will bring. Sometimes I'll do something by myself. Sometimes I'll bring in Greg, but either way, we'll have you covered, covered here during the playoffs. Um, make sure you check out Greg. He told you where to find him. Uh, also find him on Twitter at Greg Linelli. I'm at Eric underscore Erlinson. Uh, don't forget to sign up for my website, Lightning Insider. 
Bet.com. Still running a special. Anybody that signs up for a new yearly subscription will be entered into a drawing for a free copy of my book, a free autographed copy of my book. So again, that's still out there. If anybody signs up for a new yearly subscription will be entered into that drawing. All right. As always, thanks everybody for listening. Rate, share, subscribe this podcast wherever you listen to them. We'll come back at you at some point uh, with a game recap in some capacity after game one. Enjoy the series, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.